2: Hey everybody, welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts. This is episode 85. I am Derek, your regular host, and I have back with me our recurring host, Ray. Hi. Hi, Ray. How are you? I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you.
2: Good. Well, welcome back.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Uh, Ray is here to close out a big segment that we have been doing over the last seven months, which is prepping for Picard. Of course. Of course. Uh, Ray and I kicked this thing off way back on episode 72, where we went through my list of the top 20 quintessential Picard episodes, and then followed that up with actually going through the episodes. Um, If you've been listening, you know the format shifted a bit. Greg joined me for some, Ray joined me for some, and here we are now, episode 85, ready to finish up prepping for Picard, really kind of just in time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and it seems fitting greg unfortunately is under the weather so it was kind of fitting that ray started this with me and now you get to end it with me
1: i do i'm actually pretty excited about that yeah yeah okay well because i kind of like you don't tell anyone
2: don't tell anyone okay (laughs) um all right so here's the plan for today we have two uh, two parters, so to speak, to talk about uh, both season seven. We have episodes four and five, which are Gambit parts one and two. And then we have uh, the finale, All Good Things, which um, is technically episodes 25 and 26. So that's what we're going to be doing here uh, next week. We will return and take care of all of the short tracks that we haven't gotten to, which include the two animated ones, as well as the new one. That comes out this week so you can stay tuned for that and then we have one episode left before star trek picard starts which is crazy to think about that it's actually it was even delayed and it still feels like it showed up pretty quick um so all right we will go ahead and kick things off so gambit Mm -hmm. is the first episode we're going to talk about ray what are your initial thoughts on gambit
1: this was really fun. I liked the suspense aspect of it. It did keep me in the dark, and I was pretty curious how it was all going to unfold. This was like, I, I guess, like a, an action mystery. It was really. Espionage. Yeah, it was. No, it was. Not quite, but. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. It's still Trek at the heart of everything. So, you know, it's still about. Diplomacy in the Federation and everything, but you know it's about as actiony as Trek comes at times. So, I I thought it was a wonderful Riker episode. Like I would have put this more towards Riker than Picard. He's Picard's like not even in most of the first episode (laughs) because he's dead. (laughs) Dun dun dun.
2: Uh, But he's not, of course. Um, Yeah, it's kind of funny. This is not the first episode that we've talked about, where um, it's kind of a Riker episode, but important stuff happens to Picard that you can't ignore, Yeah, Um, which is kind of funny when you think about it like that. Uh, You know, the, the best of both worlds can be looked at as a big Riker episode as well, because he ends up having to take command of the Enterprise and fire on his previous captain.
1: And I always feel that Measure of a Man is this wonderful triad between Riker, Picard, and Data...
2: Yeah, um I mean that's definitely a Riker heavy episode. I yeah. think I think you're totally right. So, um okay, so let's let's do this. So Gambit, of course, we start off with kind of a cool bit where the main crew is um in like civilian uniform civilian clothing. They're out of uniform and they're looking for somebody. And of course, I mean we figure out it's Picard pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, yeah. You know. Um but they uh, I like the ruse that he uh,
1: <laughs> all of them are fantastic. Diana flirting with the bartender, the uh, Riker and Crusher sibling relationship and Picard had impregnated uh, Crusher. Like, I love all of that.
2: It's it's really cute. Like, I, I think one of the real positives of season seven, even though there's a, there's a few episodes that maybe aren't the best. But the dynamics between the main cast is so comfortable and fun by that point in the series that you can really see where the movie versions of them came from. Yeah. You know, because if you're a person who just watched the movies and then somebody showed you, like, the first couple of seasons of TNG, they're, like, completely different characters.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Um, and, but by season seven, they've kind of hit that mark. They've kind of become who they are going to be. Um, so I I like that, but
1: well, seven years ago, were you the same person? Did your writers have a consistent plan?
2: (laughs) Oh, my writers have no plan. (laughs) It's like lost over here. Oh yeah. Um
1: (laughs) it's true. I come across smoke monsters on a daily basis. (laughs) All the time, all all the the
2: time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, okay. So it turns out though that, um, they so they go after these these people that killed Picard and we end up in a shootout on an alien planet. Yeah. And Riker gets taken hostage. Um of course it's a little funny because he just had the conversation with Data about how a captain's not supposed to go down on an away mission. It's like an ongoing thing in TNG which is a fun callback to the original series where it was always the captain and the first officer going down and
1: your medical officer Most like of- <laughs> what the hell it's not an adventurer like damn it Jim <laughs>
2: <laughs> um and I, I it's just funny how like TNG's like all right so we're obviously not going to do that anymore but Riker does here and he of course gets captured which is hilarious um but that's when we Really, find out what this episode is. We find out that Picard is alive. Mm-hmm. He's playing a character of sorts named Galen, who, uh, for those of you who may or may not remember, is the name of the person he is in the Inner Light, uh, which is pretty cool. But um, anyway, so so yeah, so there's a there's a mercenary ship. They're all controlled by these chips in their necks, um, and uh, Baran is the captain who i guess murdered the previous captain it's very klingon that's how you become captain is murdering the captain
1: that's how pirates did it too
2: is it okay yeah klingons are very much like pirates i guess from that standpoint um because if you want to be a, a captain on the klingon ship you got to kill your captain so that's how it goes but uh anyway so what did you think of that the the, the microchips and and like just kind of the the setup of Baran's ship how that kind well, of came to be. Okay,
1: so he briefly says that it's connected to your nervous system which means that at some point someone did surgery on these people and everybody was compliant for it. Everybody was good and undercover Vulcan was fine with this. Like that I, I, not all of them could have been sedated for it. Like did he and they stuck around like I mean, I feel like for all these people to undergo this procedure, it couldn't have all been under the same situation and circumstances as Riker. Like, so some people were doing it voluntarily and then it, I don't get it. I would have feel like, I I feel like somebody would have protested that also. By the end of the episode, by the end of episode two, you can tell that some of these scenes were filmed like kind of in order because the prosthetic was coming off of oh was it Picard and Robin Curtis
2: I didn't notice that, but that's pretty funny um. Yeah, I mean, you make an interesting point, though, because Riker, of course, was unconscious, so that's right. easy. But for the rest of them, we don't even know who's performing the procedure.
1: Right. Like, is Baron doing it? Because we, like...
2: we don't see any type of medical bay. Mm-mm. We don't see a doctor or anybody who even claims to really have any medical knowledge. Right. So it is an interesting question, though. I think it was probably, while you're right from the standpoint that they agree, some of them at least, had to agree to it. I'm not sure it would be voluntary. I think it was more of a do-it-or-die kind of thing.
1: So it coerced consent. Right. It's still, you know, it's, it's not, like, complete consent or anything. We all know that. But still, I just – that part baffled me. I wanted to know more about that. Like, where is this happening? How many of those does he have? Does he just have an unlimited supply? Can his replicator just make those? Like, Because that was a very – Interesting kind of MacGuffin, yeah, to a certain degree that they never actually explain, but they don't keep it in the dark, you know, it's not like the Maltese Falcon or uh, the the briefcase with the light bulb in it from <laughs> Pulp Fiction. So, I it was just a, a writer convenience that I wanted to know more of. Usually, they spend more time with their trekno babble. <laughs>
2: yeah i mean i think it's fair i don't the crew seemed pretty small right it was like less than a dozen people so maybe he had 20 of them or something
1: maybe i don't but, know i mean it does we come can move back on and, and
2: it does I'm, come back though and basically like define how the episode ends because you know sk- skipping ahead a bit picard switches the transponder codes or whatever the line is um so that way baran sets off his own yeah um which is interesting. So I guess maybe that's part of the point then is the person who did it to them all, to most of them anyway, was the previous captain or something like that. I don't know. It's a little confusing because Baran makes it sound like um, – so He, he had, was
1: the one who implemented it. And
2: Well, no. He says that the original captain, his predecessor, created it, invented it. Got it. He does say that. But the question right. that I would have then is how does Baran kill his captain with those things implanted? Yeah. You know, and then why wouldn't he take it out? Is because I mean Crusher has no problem doing it.
1: Right. She's able to get it out of both Riker and Picard. But again, they don't focus on it. We just see them walking through the hallway.
2: Yeah, so, so. that's a little weird. But um, so anyway, so the main point of the episode is everyone has to kind of keep these ruses going, right? Oh my god, yeah, Galen and Riker is a kind of renegade officer. Data's the captain and he's incredible. Of course, Data's very analytical and has to try and anticipate these more, you know, unique mission adjustments rather than just following orders. So it gives Data a chance to really show what he can do.
1: And the Romulan pretending... Or the Vulcan pretending to be a Romulan, but she's also pretending to be an operative, and yet like it there's was, so many covers,
2: so many, and uh, so that's Talera, and that's she's played by Robin Curtis, who played Savic, and she um, says her
1: real name's T'Pol.
2: Yeah, which is weird. Uh, that's got that's like that. So this episode actually has like two total coincidences in it because there's also Admiral Chicote who um people wanted to know if he was related to commander chakotay that we get in voyager and it's just coincidence that
1: one's more likely than you know enterprise i bet you anything a writer was just watching tng it was like that's a good name let's <laughs> use it
2: um but the but the Robin Curtis thing is kind of funny, because we were watching this, and it had been a while since I had watched Gambit, so I couldn't remember some of it.
1: Well, I immediately asked if she was playing Savick.
2: Right. And I, I knew she wasn't playing Savick, right. but there was yeah. that point where I was like, she's she's really playing a very Vulcan Romulan, <laughs> because I had forgotten.
1: And then she <laughs> says she is, like, no less than 20 seconds later. Uh, I made funny. you pause, and we giggled. Yeah, that was
2: pretty funny. Um, but she does a good job, and um, oh,
1: she's wonderful.
2: That was really nice to to see her again in a, in a similar ish role yeah,
1: um because well, so, I always found her version of Savick to be more of a romulan like Vulcan, like you know it's not very Vulcan of her to have sex with a teenager <laughs> um well it's, it's she it's, totally boned a it teenager. Is, it is
2: very logical for her to help Spock through Pon Farr because mm. it can kill him. So it. That's Do they the
1: not know how to masturbate? Like, just it doesn't
2: work like that for Ponfar. <sighs> it's not how it works. So you have that's that's the key. So there's there's only three ways out of Ponfar. You have sex, you have a fight to the death and win, or you die. Like those My are the God. those are the three ways out of it. And uh, you know we'll sit down and watch a Muck time at some point from the original yeah, series. So you can get all the we
1: have watched
2: that. Have we watched that yeah. one? Okay. That pretty much tells you all the important stuff. Until you get to Voyager, Tuvok has to deal with Pondfire a bit. Right. So, um, as does Bolana, which is interesting. I'm not going to tell you anymore. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so this episode, the main reason that I put this episode on the list, because this is prepping for Picard, is twofold. Uh, one is the archaeology. Right, because Picard is an archaeologist. We get this a lot. There's a lot of focus on it. It's why Captain's Holiday is on this list. Um, we have um, we had epi- uh, the chase la- on our last episode, for example. Uh, archaeology has always been very important to Picard, and so this is an example of that. This is, yeah, he's playing a character, but all that archaeology knowledge is just Picard's knowledge, right? So he can read. Uh, Vulcan, He can even read ancient Vulcan and ancient Romulan and decipher the two, which is a really big deal, right? Um, and so that's why that's one of the reason one reason two has to do with Picard's ability to be a covert operative right? Because we don't get to see a lot of it in change. Hello, it is
0: Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day. Couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba casino. Chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little, actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW for avoid. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. In
2: Chain of Command, they're doing like this secret agent mission with Crusher and Wharf, but he gets captured and that's really what that episode's about. This is the first time you ever get to see him do something undercover that more or less goes correctly.
1: I did want to say, you know, that part is a bit confusing to me because of his reputation. You know, I... I would figure that people would know his face, that he's a very popular man. And maybe not everybody, of course, but it it's made to feel in the previous six seasons that his reputation precedes him and people just know him by face or by the last name. So,
2: yeah, I think that's a, a reasonable concern because it was also an issue um, in last week's episode. And of course, I'm drawing a blank now. I just I just lost it it's just gone um the the um the indiana jones-ish one
1: indiana jones the chase the, like, no 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 not indiana like, jones, uh,
2: the die hard one the die hard oh in space. yeah yeah um, i know what you're talking yeah, about yeah, yeah I, sorry I, I, but um that that one is very much like this uh in, in, the, in the starship Where Mine. he, starship Mine, that's he the pretends
1: he's mott and yeah
2: and like nobody like none of the mercenaries know who he is and right. i think it's a fair point and i think it can sometimes be explained away. I think in Starship Mine, it makes zero sense because these mercenaries were specifically going after the Enterprise, right? Right, and you would think that they would have familiarized themselves. This one does make
1: a bit more sense because none of them are associated with the Federation. They're not trying to attack the Enterprise. They're staying away from, you know, a straight up Federation planets they're they're more just like planets within systems and stuff so it's it's more believable but still
2: yeah I agree with you and there, there seem to be like some explanations like their their database was really limited because Picard makes that comment about how if mm-hmm. he just had a few minutes with the enterprise computer you know but you would think that a guy like Baran, who is doing illegal things and intelligently is very cautious of people right would try and run them through some type of database. Right. Um, before he just brings them onto his ship and his crew, but but he doesn't, obviously. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of back and forth between Picard and Riker, and th- this plays into the second reason why I put this on the list, is Picard being able to become this other person, this other character. And who Galen is, I think, is really, it's like, very specific and very important. The fact that he picks that name is a really big deal, because that is that is him. To an extent, to an extent, he's not lying about that.
1: No, he had a full life, you know, as Galen.
2: And in um, in lessons, you know, he talks about how he like really lived that life and feels that loss and had a wife and children and a grandchild, and um, yep, you know, so that's really interesting that that would be the name that he goes with uh, when he goes undercover.
1: This episode also speaks really well to Picard and Riker's friendship there are so many times where they have to say you know horrible mean things to each other and they enact physical harm onto the other that if they didn't have the trust in one another this wouldn't have gone so well if Data didn't have the trust in Picard and Riker like you couldn't do this episode season one no It wouldn't work because people wouldn't follow. And I think the next episode that we talk about kind of proves that, you know,
2: I think I mean, I I think that's a very, very good point, because most of this episode is predicated on them trusting each other when they're doing outrageously illegal things Absolutely. um, You've got Riker demanding that a starbase shuts down its shields. And they actually – Picard fires on that starbase. Picard fires on the Enterprise. Yep. You know, um, these things happen and they're still able to trust each other. And I think it says a lot about Data, maybe even more than Riker and Picard, because Data doesn't have his emotion ship yet. No. Right? He is is still without that. And his grasp on those types of interactions is still not – necessarily as good and he has you know wharf breathing breathing down his neck wanting to just you know go in guns a blazing because that's wharf style and he has to tone that down and try and trust in riker Mm -hmm. um you know when when riker and picard come on the ship and they're still you know kind of undercover you know and they have to shoot i mean they shoot beverly and wharf in the shuttle bay you know and um, and they just
1: have to be chill with it like i'm not gonna lie Beverly especially, like Worf is head of security and you know, he's he's just a very intense kind of guy. He's probably taken a shot or two, but like how many times has Beverly been shot? Like, for God's sake, she's a doctor. <laughs> like if I woke up from that I'd I'd be pissed. <laughs>
2: That's fair. And, I mean, they do go out of their way to show how, like, Worf's not necessarily the biggest Klingon.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was hilarious. Uh, I mean,
2: you know, that dude's huge. Um, Mm. And I'm sure they probably put him in boots, too. But he's actually a very tall actor to begin with. Um, But, you know, but to your point, like, you know, there's a, a point where... Picard punches Riker and then Riker punches Picard and Picard shoots Riker um, you know and it's all very intense and they play it really well and I think you're right that the earlier this takes place the less believable it is to a point where it just couldn't have exactly worked. Um,
1: and all all the other characters on the ship all the other main cast are equally as trusting they're just not as forefront in Mm -hmm. this episode you know Deanna saying that Riker's dead it means she's playing along she knows what to do to a small degree and so everybody had a small part to play in this one and they all did it because they love and trust each other which you know like I said it's just not it has to be a season seven episode
2: and it it comes off as one of my favorites because that of that dynamic specifically I don't think any of the other Star Trek shows, any of them, got to this point where their characters' chemistry worked so well together. Like you had Kirk Spock bones. Right, and you had well the three
1: of them were really good friends, but you hear all this other turmoil. Like Nichelle Nichols and George Takei didn't really like Shatner after, and their relationship broke apart. So yeah,
2: I mean in in universe though.
1: Oh, Uh, oh, okay, that's fair too. Yeah,
2: like the characters because you. It was rare that the original series got everybody together in something like this. And DS9 did a pretty good job of it at times, especially as the show
0: progressed. I noticed
1: more episodes where the entire cast of DS9 appears in an episode. And TNG, like some of the episodes we've talked about for prepping for Picard, we've kind of... I've sat there and been like, where's Deanna? Where's data where is Jordy? They might it, have one scene or one line just to, be, or to get their they're credit. They're not in there know? at all or whatever.
2: Um but I don't think any of them really ever hit the stride of the chemistry that this crew hit in season 7. Well,
1: it you know, it absolutely is due to the nature of their relationship behind the scenes. Yeah. Voyager, their cast has a really good relationship too uh outside of work, but you know, we see pictures on Instagram and Twitter of the tng cast hanging out like not for promo events or anything but you know because it's a sunday and they can and
2: they celebrate holidays together exactly they're
1: family you know ds9 cast they're they have working relationships some of them are closer than others well
2: some of them were married um (laughs) and had a
1: child (laughs) and have to communicate now that they're broken up (laughs)
2: um but uh yeah, so, I mean, so that's, that's the bulk of the episode and really why I wanted it on this list. There's not a whole lot else to really put in here. You know, Picard saves the day. They go down to, to Vulcan.
1: Okay, so I have to ask you then, if we're going to stop this one soon, how do you feel about the ending? Cause, Which part? Uh, the part about how peace uh, beats the thing, beats yeah. the weapon, because... I, at first, I thought it was really lame. I thought it was super lame, like the love is the fifth dimension kind of crap <laughs> from Inception. Or not Inception, I'm sorry, Interstellar. He has so many I movies. Um, but then as it goes on I was like this is the most trek thing that has ever trekked in all of trek like you know um, just that's what they're hoping for that diplomacy and peace wins out that unity is the answer to everything so I I ended up feeling a bit better about it
2: So I like it for a few different reasons I think it's actually the only way that that weapon makes any sense and the what i mean by that is that thing has been missing for a couple thousand years Mm -hmm. right and if it could just work on vulcan telepathic abilities why wouldn't somebody have invented another one what's so special about this you know vulcan science has progressed over the centuries you know so much why is this particular device made out of three stone Rocks. metal spot you know pieces special? And it's not. That's the point. It wasn't dismantled because it was dangerous. It was dismantled because it was useless. Because
1: it stopped working. Yeah. Right.
2: And that's why there weren't any more, because they were useless. Because the idea is Vulcans have telepathic abilities, but they are they are fairly limited. And because of that, they needed something that could amplify mm-hmm. more than themselves. Right. And so that's why I think in universe, it's actually very consistent with what we know about Vulcans and even what we learn about Vulcans and Voyager and Enterprise later. And so that's totally fine with me. And it is like it's it is like the most Trek message imaginable. And it's a little funny that it's in this episode because this is an episode that. Gene Roddenberry probably would not have liked.
1: Right. It is super hyper violent and.
2: Well, it focuses on space pirates. Yes. And he doesn't like, he never liked the idea of space pirates. He didn't really want them to be a thing in Star Trek. And so um, this is one of those stories that I think could not really have been made while he was alive. Um, And it's almost, it's kind of ironic that in the same episode as something he would have really hated is really the message he was trying to get across the entire time right um which is nice which you know could either have been done on purpose to to contrast the two or maybe is just you know in honor of him as the whole point of of it all Mm -hmm. um so that was really cool
1: one final thing how long do you think data made riker stay in the brig (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> i truly believe he took him down there and made him stay for a little bit
2: <laughs> i'm not convinced he made it to the brig because he's got his combat badge and he could just tap it and call somebody you know uh but it is a great moment that yeah. i'm glad you brought up when the three of them are kind of joking you. in in the corridor and data doesn't get that it's a joke
1: well again that is a progression of picard's character picard's character in season one when it's sleep he'd go right back to the bridge and now he's like you know what it's time for a nap. <laughs>
2: well, think of all he's been through. Right? Exactly. You know, he's been a Borg, he's been tortured by the Cardassians. Mm-hmm. You know, he was almost killed on his own ship uh during the sweep in Starship Multiple Mine. Times. Right. He almost lost a lover and yeah, just so many, so many right. different things. He lost
1: an entire family. He deserves yeah. a nap, guys. The guy just
2: needs a nap. <laughs> um <laughs> There are a couple of things uh, that we didn't mention that really have nothing to do with Picard. But uh, one piece of technology in this episode that I really like and uh, was borrowed later by Futurama is the gun. (laughs) The transporter gun. The transporter gun. Because it's such a brilliant concept. Like, why wouldn't that be a thing? Could you imagine how easy it would be when you're trying to, like, beam stuff up to a ship to just point and click? Yeah. You know, rather than have to provide coordinates and things like that. I love that. I thought that was a super cool tech invention that we really to my memory never see again
1: they do that they come up with all these really amazing things that they you know immediately drop for one reason or another and i think it's because some of them are just a little too convenient i mean we're all still trying to figure out how the spore drive is gonna end up going away (laughs) right
2: yeah that's a fair point too all right well are there any more thoughts on gambit before we take a break
1: no
2: okay all right well we're going to take a short break and when we come back we will be talking about the finale of star trek the next generation all good things recently on the heroes podcast network echo station
1: well what's the main think... what's the main planet that indoor
2: the forest moon of indoor it's a moon so it's there's a major planet obviously that it is the forest moon of indoor is indoor the actual planet then see th- isn't that confusing <laughs> yes. is it the forest moon of the planet indoor or is it the forest moon called indoor kaiju curry house
0: it got to the point where he started climbing the empire state building and my mom is like he's not gonna die is he
2: <laughs> oh no my mom doesn't know shit about these films but anyways it was just like mom this doesn't end well for kong and she's just like
0: I can't watch the rest of this. Turn it off. I'm like, you can't get to this point in Peter Jackson's King Kong two hours and, like, whatever many minutes later and not watch the end.
2: Screen heroes. The nipples just were confusing to me because they just... (laughs) They
0: just make no sense. Uh, that is
1: our clip, by the way. Uh,
0: uh, but I mean, male nipples are kind of confusing anyway. So. Right? Like well, they serve true. zero
2: that's purpose. True. Do you think that was the point he was trying to make? <laughs> it's a much deeper message. Yes. <laughs> is Batman and Robin a heavily An allegory, social allegory? <laughs> yeah. Subscribe today at heroespodcast.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and more.
1: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus
0: terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Okay, and we're back. So, all good things. Um, this episode, of course, is a big deal for so, so many reasons. It's the finale of the show is incredibly ambitious. It directly focuses on Picard. Um, and it is my favorite episode of Star Trek. Not just TNG, but of Star Trek. And this was your first time seeing this episode and I have been dying to show it to to you for a very long time and um I thought this was the the best opportunity to do it. So uh all good things of course if you haven't seen it you should just stop listening right now and go watch it and then come back. But I'm gonna assume that you've seen it. So let's move on. (laughs) Um Ray. Yes. What are your initial thoughts on all good things? Oh
1: my God. So I was so frustrated. Watching it, trying to figure everything out. I was so (laughs) frustrated. So frustrated. (laughs) But I think that is just one of the best payoffs I've ever seen. And like when we finished, I just kind of like exclaimed, I yelled, I shouted because I was so happy with everything. Like that's the way you do a... Series finale, and you thought I was being sarcastic. You thought I was like being a jerk about
2: things. Not being a jerk. I just I thought you may have been exaggerating yourself a little bit because you knew how much I liked the episode, and you didn't want to hurt my feelings.
1: Oh, that's sweet that you think I'm like that, but uh-huh. you know I'm more callous. Uh, no, I truly thought it was just amazing. It was brilliant writing. It was well thought out. You know they had been thinking about this for years. So I think they really pulled it off.
2: It's a big deal, this episode. So for those who don't know, they were writing this and Generations at the same time. The same people.
1: One is Bra- better than the other. <laughs> uh, Brandon
2: Braga and Denise uh, Denise Crosby. Wow. <laughs> Brandon Braga and Michael D. Moore um, <laughs> were writing this at the same time. And um, I, I think that Generations maybe took a hit because of that, um, because I, I, I've I personally feel like their emphasis and their focus was on closing out the show uh, rather than kicking off the movies and I think that that's fine but I do think that doing them both at the same time meant that Generations maybe took a hit Um, this episode of course focuses on Picard and kind of two different fronts Picard and Q and Picard and his crew Um, and to your point earlier when we were talking about Gambit most of this episode is reliant on on his people trusting him, absolutely, and not just trusting him, but respecting him enough to to go and do crazy, dangerous things, even if there's no evidence that he is being reasonable or not senile. You know, they talk about his aromatic syndrome, uh, especially in the future timeline, and this could all be in his head. He's not even in Starfleet anymore. And jor is not in in it uh, does isn't in Starfleet anymore. Data's not in Starfleet anymore, and you know Worf is not in Starfleet anymore. Um, and they have to kind of come to be- together like this ragtag team um, to to help Picard do what he needs to do. Um, it's it's hard to kind of know where to start on this one. The whole reason this is on the list, aside from closing out the series and some of these relationships, it focuses on Picard's mentality, his mental strength and fortitude and his unwillingness to concede, Um, you know, because obviously in the present timeline, which is the season seven time period, you know, he's going to have the easiest time. He's captain of the flagship of the Federation. He's got his current crew around him. They love him. They trust him. Um, and he has a lot of clout and power that he can wield. In the past timeline, which takes place just before encounter at Farpoint, which is the pilot, uh, they barely know him. Yes, he's the captain of the Enterprise, but he has no first officer. Riker is not there yet. You know, Tasha doesn't know him. Worf doesn't know him. De- None of them know him. At all, They have no reason to trust him. He's just their new captain, right? And so they want to follow orders, of course, because they're good officers, but there's limits to their patience. There's limits to their understanding and how much risk that they want to put themselves in. And then you move to the future timeline, which is very important for prepping for Picard specifically because Star Trek Picard, the show, takes place when this timeline takes place. So that, this is the age we're going to be seeing these characters. And there's already differences that we know of. We,
1: which they explained in uh, the episode itself. They, they said, did. So,
2: Do you think that was a smart kind of throwaway kind of explanation?
1: I think it was mostly there for hope, to be honest. Because nobody likes the... Possibility that everything's already set in stone and your choices have no effect. So, we all prefer free will over like a we, we prefer manifest destiny over like destiny destiny. Pre-determined. Exactly. Got so, uh, I don't think they knew that the future uh, was going to hold another a sequel show, but. I'm really glad that they threw that line in anyway, because of how things have ended up.
2: Yeah, because I mean, it's a big deal. We have these characters where you've got so Deanna's dead, Worf and Riker are hate each other, not speaking at all. Picard and Beverly did get married, but they got divorced. So the the Picard Bev shippers out there kind of got some of what they wanted very briefly
1: which is upsetting because they totally kissed at the beginning of the episode <laughs> and i was like
2: yes um you know and it's, it's it's just it's kind of rough and then you have picard's aromatic syndrome and it's a, it's advanced you know it uh, which which is even more intense of course and you know it's it's a syndrome that would be similar to something like alzheimer's or dementia where you start to lose your memories and a sense of reality and I mean, aside from that kind of being almost anybody's worst nightmare, I would imagine that it's got to be Picard's, a man who has always been in control. It's, it's We talked about this a bit with the best of both worlds, the fact that he lost his control, right? That's a very big deal to him. And this is that happening again, just in a very different way. Um, so Q, let's talk Q. Let's talk John Delancey, who... Is one of my favorite actors on the planet, and Q is one of my favorite characters in all of Star Trek. Um, the book ending that this episode does very, very intentionally brings back Q. How do you? What do you think about the relationship between Picard and Q specifically in this episode? What he did, how it was set up, how it kind of plays out. What do you think?
1: Okay, so. I I have to ask a few questions. Do it. Are all the Q like him?
2: What do you mean? <sighs> they all have his abilities.
1: Right. I just his personality. You know, he he th- is sitting here and he is indirectly and directly responsible for what is going on. Yet it, <laughs> He keeps telling Picard to expand his mind and how he's so primitive and brutal and savage. How humans are just so beneath him and yet he is playing with them as if they're toys. He's a child. Like, <laughs> he is. It, it, introducing us to the Borg, like he puts humanity and Picard in danger's way and he says that it's for like a lesson to be learned or the greater good or, when if he didn't interfere at all, nothing would happen.
2: Well, that's not the case in the finale. Uh,
1: so I'm just asking, like, are is the entire race of the queue? No. Interfering assholes? They're
2: not all like that. No. Okay. Some are bigger troublemakers than others. Um, they're not supposed to interfere. They're not supposed to really interact. Then why does he do it forms? so much? Because,
1: like, what's
2: so? Here's the here. So you don't know this yet because you haven't watched all of Voyager. But the Q are stagnated. The Q have stopped evolving. They've stopped growing because they are omnipotent, all powerful creatures. They know everything in all time and space, and they can do whatever they want. And they've become sedentary because of it. Q, RQ, Q, um, isn't like that. He still finds things to occupy himself, things to do, things that are outside of the rules of the Q. And he gets in trouble from time to time. Okay. Um, But what you'll see in Voyager when we get around to that is that he is willing to go the extra mile to make things different, to change, to... To continue that change, because that's the only constant, right, in life is change, right? That's supposed to be the saying. But the Q can't change. If you know everything and can do anything, how can you change? How can you grow? How can you evolve? Right? right. There's nothing for you to learn. You've learned it all already. You know it all. And so Q's not like that. Q is a little bit different. And he finds humanoids very fascinating, and Picard in particular, because the Q were like us originally and he kind of sees themselves in Picard at least the best of the Q in Picard and you know he he comes along and he causes mischief and he plays around and has a good time because he can and he is a little bored and he likes a challenge and the truth is that Picard gives him a challenge you know Q sets up certain rules right there's always rules to the game Okay. Right. But Q is much more like like Dr. Cox in Scrubs where he doesn't really want anybody to know that he's really actually a nice guy, so he just purposely does the wrong thing to keep that allure, right? To keep him seeming like that. Um and in this case, this is showing how far his relationship with Picard has come, right? We had Tapestry where Q gave Picard an opportunity to prove who he is. Right? And that Q didn't have to do that. Q could have let Picard die or live and never know the difference. Right? But instead, he intervened and gave Picard an opportunity that I think many of us would jump at, which is to undo what something we believed was a mistake. Okay. Right? Um, you know, and That story, I think, is important to a lot of people. I mean, it hit me really hard because, as just an example, I was academically dismissed from college after my freshman year. And there are many, many times where I thought, well, what if I could do it differently? What if I could go back and go to class and be the good student that I was and and do it the right way? But to the point of tapestry and the point that Q was trying to make, you are the decisions that you made. And who I am today, where I where I am today, who I'm with today is predicated on those
1: decisions. And I. Just because you aired your dirty laundry, I feel like I should. You don't have to. You know, I have often said to you, I wish I would have known you when I was younger that we I believe you and I would have gotten along at just about any age if we had been you know playmates next door to each other or you know high school sweethearts instead of meeting in our late 20s then you know I I just believe you and I could have had like a long friendship throughout the years and you know you always say to me but we have each other now and it might not have worked then and I, I believe you and everything, but I still made quite a few <laughs> romantic mistakes along the way that I wish I could erase.
2: <laughs> um and so yeah, I mean so the the point is that Q has an interest in Picard and he wants Picard to succeed. Okay. He just doesn't necessarily go about it in the best way. Right. And so in all good things, we have a situation where we have we have this paradox, and paradoxes are very complicated, and this one is no exception. Picard s- creates this anomaly himself in the future, and right. Q knows that that's going to happen. And Q doesn't want that to happen because he doesn't want Picard to not exist. He doesn't want humanity to not exist. What fun is that, right? All the fun that Q's had, what would that be like if we weren't around, and so Q is there to push Picard and to help him from himself, which I think is kind of cool.
1: Fair enough.
2: So, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on that? I feel well, like i talked a lot.
1: It, no, you're right. If, I just, if Q hadn't interrupted Picard so much and done the time shift and everything... Do you think the anomaly still would have happened?
2: Well, that's that's the paradox. The paradox is that Picard is doing it in the future. And the only way to stop it is for him to work with himself to stop it. Right? And he can't do that without Q's help. Right. And so that's the key. And that that's the paradox, right? The paradox is that it has to happen for it not to happen.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
2: Right. That's where it gets really complicated.
1: It is. It's very complicated. Time traveling stuff is always complicated and it's not always, um, you know, well written or well done. And there's always holes you could poke into time travel if you wanted to.
2: Yeah, this episode does, I think, a, a better job than most things to get around all of it. I agree. You know, the three timelines are totally segregated from each other. They don't actually impact each other, which is Q's doing, uh, I assume. You know, And it, that kind of gets rid of any time travely, timey-wimey issues. Um, so let's talk about the other relationships with the characters, specifically the future timeline. How did you feel about how, who the characters had become and how they interacted with each other?
1: Well, I think to do that, we have to talk about the present timeline a bit. I asked okay. you about this, like, if hints of Deanna and Worf – were laid out in other parts of season seven and you said not really so we're just supposed to believe that this romance between them developed over the last couple of weeks or whatever days or something
2: um i mean i think it's a little more complicated than that because Riker and deanna don't get back together um and it's been seven years since they've been on the ship together let alone how long they had been apart prior to that Right, And so I think it was just a matter of Deanna moving on um, because somebody else was, was interested, right? And so this is something that may have been in the background a little bit more than we saw or really did just develop over the course of a few weeks or months, you know, between this episode and the one before it. Right. Um, there's not really a good way to know, Kay. but – I don't know that, that that's really much of a problem for me.
1: It's not a problem for me. I just – because I jumped around. I watched your prepping for Picard list. I did not watch a lot in between. Like I, I requested some if the thumbnail looked really cool when we were streaming. <laughs> but I – so like I was just asking to be better informed. Like is this something they've been building to?
2: Not really, No
1: then I honestly don't believe it was worth a 20-year-long feud. Well, it's not I,
2: – I think maybe it's oversimplifying it a bit because the idea here is that Riker is not going to be mad at Deanna, but he is going to be mad at Worf, right? And I think – the two of their personalities together could easily create a rift where they just stop talking to each other?
1: Well, for sure. And I think a lot of people make that choice. We choose to be mad at the other person instead of being mad at our partner or former partner or interest or whatever.
2: But I I think that... It's a normal relationship thing. I think there's lots of people out there who stopped being friends with somebody because of something exactly like this. I think that's probably pretty common. Yeah. Um, And I think that it takes special people to not let that happen. Um, And I think that part of what happens later in the movies is informed by this, right? Because, well, Worf leaves and ends up on Deep Space Nine, and that gives... Deanna and Riker an opportunity. And I think Riker knowing that this was happening may have been like the kick in the pants that he needed to to really try and push forward with them. Yeah. You, you know? Um I guess we don't we don't really get to know that because it doesn't really happen until insurrection, right? So they 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 get back together in insurrection and they're married in nemesis, and so there's not a whole lot of character build, which is part of why i'm a big believer that this belongs on tv more than it does on the big screen but you know in the old way of television there wasn't a lot of that continuing storytelling Um,
1: okay so what do you think tng could have benefited from by airing now in the age of serialized uh episodes and uh binging and shortened seasons and stuff
2: the serialized thing is the biggest piece because they they tried to do little things you know like picard's borg stuff and stuff with the inner light and and things of that nature but they couldn't really continue with it so exploring the aftermath of of um you know, his, his torture with the Cardassians or exploring the aftermath of, of being Locutus more than just the episode family, I think could have been really interesting. You know, having these relationships build could have been cool. There weren't really a lot of romances because you couldn't really keep that going week to week. You had to kind of start things fresh. And the only character that really had consistent growth was data. Um, and you know, I I think it really could have gained from that. Um, But I think the main reason that they do the relationship between Worf, Deanna, and Riker the way they do in the finale in All Good Things actually has more to do with filming than anything else. Because if you notice in the other timelines, there's always somebody swapped out, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that that becomes part of that conversation, You know they um, they remove Deanna from the future, but then they remove. You know they don't have Riker in the past, right? Because he wasn't on the ship, and it was almost a way of balancing that out. Maybe, just trying to think. That's fair. You know if maybe that's uh, that was part of it. Um,
1: Well, the likelihood that all seven of them would still be alive twenty five years later is with the kind of feel that they're in. They all have had brushes with death in the past you know it's it's probably less likely especially as obviously crusher and riker and picard move up within Mm -hmm. starfleet yeah
2: i mean i'd be interested to know more about how she died i agree was it a mission or a battle or was it a disease or whatever um we we don't get to know i guess but uh so okay other stuff
1: I absolutely adore that Jordy is a family man novelist. <laughs> I love that Data is a professor at Cambridge. I love that Picard and Crusher got together. I was like, everything about me was just begging to have Wesley back. As so, like Picard could be his stepdaddy or something. Like, <laughs> like oh my god! If Wesley doesn't appear in the Picard show at all, I'm gonna be so upset because Will Wheaton is just a treasure, and that that character gets a bad rap. So
2: that's fair um by the way just a quick plug for will wheaton uh he did the new audio for the audiobook of the martian yeah so if you've never heard the martian or want to hear it again you can get his version out now and i'm just gonna plug that because that's cool um anyway
1: we're not being paid
2: (laughs) we're not we're not but uh i want to go get that and listen to it because i think that would be fun um
1: You know, you don't have to go get audio files anymore. You can just immediately download them. But my phone is not like
2: I'm not holding it right now. So I have to get my phone and then (laughs) go download the thing.
1: You're so adorable. (laughs) Um, All
2: right. So moving on to other stuff then. So, you know, the, the main kind of crux of the episode is getting the crews on board to believe Picard and for Picard to realize that he has to work with himself. The different versions of himself, essentially, to complete this mission. Um, So there's a lot of back and forth. They're shifting through the time periods faster and faster. God, the the cuts were so
1: good. Yeah, the cuts were really well done. I just I kept looking for it, and they did it very smartly. They would wait for Picard to have his eyes closed or something, and then when he opened them up, it was a different time period. Like they just. It's so well done. Uh.
2: At any point, did you find it confusing? No.
1: Okay. That's the good. uniforms, the outfits, and uh, the age makeup that they did on him was a pretty easy to follow. I want to talk
2: about that for a moment.
1: The age makeup was better um, on some people than it was on others. That's not
2: what I was going to go towards. <laughs> I was going to talk about the uniforms and the bridge. So you know, TNG got new uniforms in season three the old uniforms are still used by like extras in the background and stuff like that. But the bridge also got some minor updates over the years. And, um, it is just, it's super cool. What that detail is like, they did such a good job, like putting O'Brien in the correct color, putting wharf in the correct color, um, having Tasha back, you know, Deanna in the skirt, Deanna in the skirt, uh, but bringing Denise Crosby back, I think was a really big deal because, you know, she, she quit the show. And she's spoken about this many, many times. And she you expressed
1: know. regret yeah. over it.
2: And so they, they kept kind of trying to find ways to bring her back. And they did in yesterday's Enterprise. And then she's back as her half Romulan daughter, Sela. And, um, you know, it's bringing her back for the finale, I think, is very important. Because they didn't have to. No. They could have done something different, but they didn't. They stayed true to the show and its own history and brought her back in a way that let her close out the franchise, the, the series with everybody else, um, which I think is really cool. I thought that was just really neat from a real world perspective, um, along with just all those little details of changing the paneling on the bridge and adding the, the rise up and the future enterprise, um, which I've always said you finally got to really see it in action. The future Enterprise, which is called the Dreadnought on Star Trek Online, is my favorite Enterprise. It
1: looked really cool.
2: It's always been my favorite since I the first time I saw it. Um, and it's a shame that's all you ever really get to see of it in any canon stuff. Uh, it is in the video game, Star Trek Online, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so... Um, I love those details. The going back and forth was really cool. You do get to see in the future, Jordy has uh, robotic eyes, cybernetic eyes, instead of the visor, which is really neat because he gets like the legit ones in first contact. Yes. Uh, so you actually get to see that one come to be, which I thought was really cool. Um, the one thing that's kind of unclear about Data is he makes a comment about how uh, his uh, assistant makes him laugh. And I wonder if that was just a a like uh, um uh, just like um what's the word I'm looking for just like a, I
1: thought it was like a snooty affectation that right. he was developing like like oh but she makes me laugh exactly. how droll Right. Like, like, like was he just saying I, it yeah
2: or were, or was this like a little seed of him getting his emotion ship at some point it
1: easily could have been but I mean. truly believed it was more of him stepping into the new role. And, you know he's not second officer he's not helmsman he's he's professor professor
2: data <laughs> um So, yeah, so there's a lot of cool things in here that I also think are really important for the Picard show itself. You get the vineyard. You know, Picard is back on the Picard wine vineyard. And so, obviously, it was a 1994 TV show budget versus modern day streaming service budget. But, you know, he had the vineyard and he's working the vines and things like that. Um, And I think it's really interesting that we're going to get to see that again in this new future. Yeah. Um, And... A lot has changed you know it, looks, it appears certainly that uh Riker's no longer in Starfleet, you know he's got children with Deanna, who's alive um there's no signs of Picard having aromatic syndrome or at least not very advanced
1: so they're not saying anything about that, and they're not showing if he shares the house with anyone very specifically. I think you know they're doing that for a reason i I'm not convinced that he lives alone just with a dog but i'm also yeah
2: yeah i was pretty convinced of that okay i think the shot of him getting out of bed when the dog wakes him up when number one wakes him up i think he looks pretty alone yeah um i mean don't get me wrong if somehow it turns out that beverly is in this in some capacity that would be lovely wouldn't
1: you like be super surprised that they've hidden gates mcfadden this whole time
2: I would be. I would. And I, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of shocked they've revealed as much of they as they've had. I mean, showing that Brent Spiner shows up, showing that Jerry Ryan shows up. Um, those are big reveals. And some. Well, they're
1: also doing press tours, you know, Marina Sardis and Jonathan Frakes aren't. Right. And they
2: still showed them, though, which I think is really interesting because they kept talking about how there weren't going to be a lot of these TNG um, little. Like nods or anything like that until future seasons if there were any and we're already going to have at least three returning actors plus jerry ryan from voyager so um that's that's pretty interesting but but anyway so for all good things you know picard ends up back in the court that we started at you know it's 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 that
1: was the confusing part because when he started having the visions of the uh, citizens. Yeah. That was confusing. Cause like straight up, they show, they just show two that are just very differently shaped and everything. And I was like, Oh my God, is this the Hills have eyes? This looks ridiculous. You have to
2: think back to that premiere, right? To the pilot. And for me, I think it's the best bookend of any series I've it, ever watched. Yeah.
1: It's pretty creative. But honestly, when I think about that premiere, I don't remember mm. the background citizens in front of the trial. I remember like Tasha Yar yelling at Q and I like those are I was so focused on those, the the four in front of Q that like I completely didn't pay attention to those. we will just have to rewatch it, I suppose. Oh no, how terrible.
2: Um, well, the first season's not. <laughs> amazing but uh it has its moments it does right, have its right of course and then it has code of honor but uh we won't talk about that anyway uh so yeah i just i like how it bookends i like the way that it comes full circle this idea that the trial never ended that the queue are always watching because we are a volatile species you know and you never really know what we're going to do and we've surprised the queue Many times, and we're continuing to do so. And the journey doesn't end either, right? This idea that the the trial never ends, but the journey never ends, right? It's not a five year mission; it's an ongoing mission, it's, right? And so the this isn't the end of it, and that leads to the the final scene in the episode, which is the poker scene. Um, throughout the series, they play poker a lot. Um, some of my favorite bits are during poker play, like in Cause and Effect, um, and They all show up and then Picard shows up and he's never played poker with them before. They're all very surprised to see him and everything. And it's a really touching moment that really also informs the movies because you get to know that this isn't the end for them. Like from an acting perspective, the show was over Mm -hmm. production shut down and yes, they did the movies, but the crew in fictional universe continued on. This was not the last mission of the enterprise, right? Whereas deep space nine and Voyager, are very finite with their endings. Um, TNG is not. TNG is very much open-ended. The Enterprise-D continues on that day and they have more missions, right? And a lot happens in between the movies. Um, And the idea that Picard is recognizing what he's just been through so he can change those relationships, I think it's a big deal. It's pretty cool. Um, It's a very emotional scene i think
1: it was lovely deanna just saying to him you are always welcome was a wonderful last line well it wasn't the last line because he <laughs> says five card stud. sky's the limit you the
2: know? sky's the limit yeah yeah um but it's pretty great it uh, is i love it I think it looks really good. I mean, the action sequences are great. They made these new ships like the Pasteur and the new Klingon ships. Mm-hmm. And they updated the enterprise and
1: it touched on all the right things. It had wonderful callbacks to other uh, episodes throughout the, the entire run. It had a uh, lovely uh, character development just within that whole thing. Characters changed and grew. Um, it, it was emotional, it was action-packed, it was intelligence, and I I can't think of a better way to end that show. It's just, it works so well.
2: Yeah, I could probably talk about it as long as the episode is, or, yeah. or even longer, but uh, we're kind of at our hour mark, so...
1: I will say, like I, I told you, I'm a little disappointed that Guinan and Wesley... Didn't get to show up because they were huge. It just throughout the prepping for Picard, we had a ton of Wesley Guinan mo- moments.
2: Yeah, it's it's a good point. And, you know, having Wesley show up, they might have been able to work that out in the past timeline. Right. Um, it doesn't work so well in the other two timelines. Guinan gets complicated.
1: Because she senses time She senses issues.
2: those issues. And she doesn't like Q. Hugh. Q's kind of afraid of her. And it could have been an equally good episode, but it would have been a very different episode. Yeah, And at, at the at the least, we get Guinan in Generations, which is very cool. Um, but, I mean, I don't think you could ever have enough of that character.
1: No. So. She deserves... Like, if it was in... Nowadays, if TNG was coming out now, one of the things would have been a spinoff of Guinan's race. and Maybe. You know, they would have had Malcolm McDowell and everything. <laughs> yes. It, it's very likely that they, they would have tossed that around. If Aquaman writers are tossing around a trench spinoff, <laughs> they would have talked about Guinan's race.
2: Maybe, maybe. Um, all right. Well, I think. That's all we've got then for the finale. Um,
1: I have some questions for you. Okay. So, do you feel like this list has refreshed you and prepped you for Picard?
2: It's hard to say for me because there was very little I had forgotten. Okay. Uh, Gambit is one of the ones I had kind of forgotten a good amount of, but. Um...
1: Are you going in to Picard wishing that there are other episodes you would have watched? I mean, in a perfect world,
2: I would have done a full rewatch of the series and the four films,
1: yeah.
2: Um, but that's just hard to do and kind of impractical given the time frame that we had. Once it was delayed, I really thought we were going to have more time, which is why the prepping for Picard started off going episode by episode rather than the Combining. season chunks. Yeah. You know, our first two, our first four five, six, like they're these are just individual episodes, Yeah, you know? Um, and then with, uh, our episode 80, we started combining things, right. You know? And so, um, you know, it, it, it just, I think I would have liked to have just seen it all, but there just wasn't time. Right. You know, uh, when you talk about, Oh, you're talking a hundred and uh, almost 170 hours of content. To, to get through between the episodes and the films, it's okay. just you know it's a lot. but
1: what callbacks do you want to see in Picard?
2: Um, I don't know that I want to see a ton. I think it's important that you ground who he has become. So if that's going to be the events of the destruction of Romulus that we get this get referenced in the 2009 film, you know, then we need to talk about that. Um, maybe knowing how Picard and Seven know each other. You know um, why they know each other, because
1: I imagine if Picard had ever read about Janeway's like her captain's log, he would at least know of seven.
2: Sure. I'm sure they knew of each other. Right, I mean, you know, Seven knew knew of Picard because of just her Borg memory for number one, right? And Picard would probably know of her because of her experience being liberated from the Borg. But I'm curious, like, at what level do they know each other?
1: That's fair,
2: right? Did they ever work together or serve together or whatever? Um, and you know, I don't know that I need a lot. Maybe just let me know what happened to some people. There is a comic book that's like a countdown Picard comic, and in there they do explain like where Geordi is. So uh, for those who are interested, Jordy is now actually running Utopia Planitia, which is where new starships are designed and constructed, Constructed, which is pretty cool. Uh, I think that's a pretty good job for him. Um,
1: Do you think that in the future timeline they made Geordi a novelist because of raiding Rainbow?
2: That's cute. I never thought about it, but that's adorable. Um, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I think they did it mainly because... The Geordie character always has such a hard time with relationships and romantic situations that they wanted to give him the, the happy ending of of having a family. That's nice. You know, I think it's probably that more than anything.
1: Okay. What do you hope that they don't do in Picard?
2: Um, I hope they don't I, I don't want too many references okay. to old stuff. Um
1: I would rather there be life event references rather than characters brought back. Like as much as I love that cast and you know, we've met quite a few and they were so amazing. But I I would this is Picard's show. I would rather them focus on a lot of the things he's been through and a lot of the things he's done than like those kind of callbacks as opposed to just random guest spot by
2: Yeah, I just don't want too many Easter eggs. There's yeah. just, like so many, like you know the mandalorian as good as it was there were a couple of times where the the little nods might have been a little too much you think so um but that's that's for another day but um i i don't want to see that and i I, want, I I don't believe this is going to happen because of Patrick Stewart and his involvement directly but i don't want them to too drastically change the foundation of who he is mm. because 25 years is a very long time, and I expect him to be a different person. Right. But at the end of the day, Easily I expect his foundation, right, his moral compass to be the same.
1: That's fair. I so. would like that. Yeah. And any new things you want to see?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I want to see what technology is like. One of my favorite things in Star Trek is seeing how the technology evolved or an Enterprise's case, de-evolved mm-hmm. um, to show the bridges, uh, but how we got to where we are kind of thing. Um, and that 25 years, I mean, what, what does Starships look like, right? You know, we had the Enterprise E. What does a, a, the Enterprise look like 25 years later? You know, um, what what kind of aliens do we know now right is the federation larger are there new aliens are we going to maybe bring back some that we've kind of forgotten about you know bullions have always kind of taken a back seat for example um you know will we see
1: andorians or you know
2: who knows right right so that that's i'm very curious about those types of things you know it seems like this really focuses on romulans and borg um so one of my major concerns is the borg um they kind of had their teeth taken away from them after a little a while, bit right i mean in tng they were a pretty big freaking deal and in first contact they it was like a horror movie at times um but voyager quickly kind of ran them into the ground from a scary perspective yeah right and enterprise did an interesting job bringing them back in, in the episode regeneration but overall the board kind of lost their punch by the time voyager was done that's fair and so when they come back here what will that be like you know i'm curious
1: do you think the 2009 movie has affected the way the romulans look because they they don't look the same as they did in tng
2: i mean it's tough romulans look different most of the time yeah you see them you know like in the original series they didn't really have any forehead not really ridges right. but you know what i'm trying to say uh and then in tng they do but they vary their you know their skin tone varies pretty considerably um you know so i, so I don't,
1: there just could be different evolved yeah. romulans okay i mean they just kind of look fine. different I mean, it's, it's kind of the same
2: with the klingons the klingons have just changed their look so much over the years and you know in discovery when the klingons are bald they look pretty substantially different but once they have hair they actually look pretty damn close to to what a Klingon to TNG, looks like. yeah you know and just like humans it doesn't make sense for every Vulcan, every Romulan, every Klingon to look the same because we don't all look the same. We all right. look pretty freaking different too. It's true. Um, and, and
1: where we hail from has quite a bit of effect on how we evolved and what we look like. So that makes sense that Rom, not all Romulans are the same. That was a, a huge critique that I had, you know, the, the female Cardassian was just, cardassian with makeup on it it looked very odd because there are obvious differences between male and female in most earth species and
2: yeah you don't get to see too many uh cardassian women uh, yeah. she's the only goal that right. you ever see and then uh, you get to see a few civilians but not many yeah so but, okay but yeah any any other questions
1: I just me. want to go back and watch <laughs> some more TNG. Well, that's fine with me. Show um, me some Hugh stuff now. Yeah, I, we have to watch Start Iborg. an essential Riker list need, for me. We need to watch
2: Iborg, because uh, that was not on my list. And that knowing now that Hugh is in this, he probably that episode it would, have been. Uh, would have been on my list. But um, as well as maybe Descent.
1: Would you have put some more Voyager episodes on this for... You know, just prepping for Picard show and not, like, Picard yeah. character.
2: I mean, that's a good point, too. I mean, that's where things start to get kind of hard to pare down because with Hugh's involvement, you need Iborg and Descent, which is a two-part episode. And then with Seven of Nine's return, um, you know, you'd have to pare down her episodes as well, and there's probably half a dozen that I'd have to pick.
1: That's fair. You know,
2: so now you're at 28 episodes, some of which are two-parters, you know, uh, for my list. And so maybe it's a 30-episode list that where a good number of them are two-part episodes. It starts to get more and more unwieldy to prepare for the show. Um, but, I mean, I didn't know that either yeah. of them were going to be involved. So I really focused just on Picard himself.
1: Well, I want to say that I think you had a really good list. And after watching each episode, I understood why you put it on there. So I feel... Prepped for <laughs> Picard.
2: Well, I'm glad. Thank you. And you know, j- just like all good things must come to an end, so must prepping for Picard. Um, so I think this is a good note to end on. Ray, how can people reach out to you?
1: I'm at Siren Ray on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
2: And I'm of course the Star Trek dude on Twitter and Facebook. You can find my co-host Greg at the underscore Bittersteel. On Twitter. You can find us at Redshirts Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook, heroespodcasts.com. And you can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addicts, Spreaker, Google Play, all that good stuff um we look forward to coming back next week we will talk about short treks and then we will be moving on to the picard show so that is what we'll be doing after that so we hope that you continue to stay tuned with us and the sky's the limit